0: welcome to the forensic nutritionist podcast my name is fiona tuck i'm a nutritional medicine practitioner and a qualified skin therapist for over 25 years the forensic nutritionist podcast takes an investigative approach into all things nutrition gut health and skin using qualified experts to bring you information that you can trust we are all unique The information presented herein is not intended to diagnose, to treat or cure disease. Please seek professional medical guidance prior to modifying any diet, exercise or lifestyle program. Let us begin. On the podcast today we have Lisa Rush. Lisa is a registered nurse in aesthetic medicine. Over the past 10 years, Lisa has worked for some of the most renowned cosmetic clinics and plastic surgeons in Australia, and she's the director of the highly esteemed Lisa Rush Skin Clinic in Walara, Sydney, a clinic that I myself indeed go to. So Lisa, thank you for coming in to chat with us today.
1: Thanks, Fiona. I'm really excited to be on the podcast.
0: Well, it's a good topic today because we're talking all about injectables and I think there's a lot of people out there that maybe want to have injectables Mm -hmm. and haven't or are scared of them or there's a lot of things I think people want to know about injectables but are too scared to ask. So I thought this would be the perfect platform to chat about that. But before we go into talking about the injectables, things like Mm anti-wrinkle injections. Tell us a little bit about how you ended up working in the aesthetics industry.
1: Definitely, well, I originally trained as a nurse um, in the UK. I started my career almost 19 years ago, can you believe? (laughs) And um, was moved here to Australia back in 2006 and I predominantly was working in the hospitals at that time, so a lot of my experience is surgical based. And then I made the decision to move over to the world of aesthetics and I was very fortunate enough to get a role with a medical device company so I originally started off as a clinical trainer and educator for body contouring devices. Um, I then moved into becoming a plastic um, surgeon's practice nurse and eight years ago I had the opportunity to learn to inject through his practice. Um, and then became a full-time injector and have, since then, worked with lots of um, big cosmetic physicians and plastics in Sydney. And then I decided to open my clinic three years ago, Lisa Ruskin Clinic, and do things a little bit different in terms of you know, creating a calm environment for people to come in and have their treatments.
0: And it's very calming, It's a beautiful environment. It's interesting the way that the industry is evolving And I think you know it's almost now that we see clinics in every shopping mall, and you can really go and get injectables, anti-wrinkle injections, and and fillers. It seems almost everywhere now. Um, What have you noticed, sort of any particular changes in the industry? You know, when it. in regards to trends. Is it something that everyone's having or is it just something that I'm noticing because I'm in the in the industry?
1: Look, it is such a huge industry and it can be really daunting to people that are potentially looking to having treatments. Um, but I think it is something that is definitely much more accessible now. Like you were saying, you know, you can go into a shopping mall and find a clinic to have your boat, to have wrinkle injections or, or dermal filler treatments. And um, patient awareness is, definitely definitely increasing people know what treatments are out there what they're for Um, and I think there definitely is much more of a trend now for clients to come in and have treatments young and old
0: Mm. well I guess the Kardashians Mm. um if I mean I'm fascinated by their faces because if you look at them sort of over the last 10 years they've all completely morphed their brow shapes have changed their cheeks and they're sculpted um their lips have got a lot bigger so I think they have a lot to do with um, the way the industry has evolved and and people in a way are morphing themselves on that look which you know each for their own it's not something that I necessarily would want to look like Um, I like to be a bit individual but I know the young girls in particular tend to be really going for that look so it's not just an age thing is it when it comes to injectables the young ones are, are going for
1: Facial transformations is a big request from clients now, so absolutely, you know, you've got young girls that are coming in that want to have the cheeks, the lips, but not only that, they want to have the chin augmentations, the jawline sculpting, non-surgical nose jobs, so you know, as practitioners, we've, you know, really got to be careful that, you know, the clients are doing the treatments appropriately, they're not just following fatty trends, but also, as well, there are also the demographic of clients that want to have the natural-looking results, too. So it's not just all about facial transformation. It's about also having treatments to look a bit more refreshed.
0: Well, what amazes me is how different the face can look. I mean, as again, going back to the Kardashians as a classic example, if you look at Kylie Jenner five years ago and now look at her, I actually think she looks good, but she looks... I can't even work out what she has had done, and it's almost... It's mind blowing to me to think that that can all be done with injectables, which it probably was. Would you agree?
1: Look, there's a number of non surgical treatments, mm-hmm. and it, I think it's a combination of things to really kind of reshape the face. I mean, there's treatments that we can use to slim the face, we can contour the face with things like dermal fillers, you know, we can tighten the skin up. So, absolutely, you really can change face shape and structure, but there's also surgical things that do that too. Yes. So
0: and I think there's been a few yeah. nose jobs in there. Yeah. In there as well. I mean lips were huge, I would say, a few years ago yeah. and it was almost like the bigger the better and the the fuller the lips but is that something that's still popular what what would you say are the most requested things that people come in for i
1: think lips is always the kind of entry point that people think they want to have done and you know the big lips were a huge trend but i really think that's slowing down a little bit mm. now and unfortunately you know the big cheeks and the big che- lips are definitely something that scares a lot of other yeah. people off because they've seen these people walking around yeah. and not not having you know a balanced facial aesthetics um, but lips are really common in terms of you know dermal filling, just augmenting them, looking, making them look a little bit perkier. Um, reduction in wrinkles, um, fine lines and wrinkles. That's kind of a really common entry yeah. point that people want to start with.
0: And how young is too young? I mean, what age do you find people are coming in actually wanting to get rid of lines in the forehead?
1: Look, I mean, it can vary with each individual and everybody ages differently. So, you know, you can see different ages come into a practice. Particularly for us at our practice though, we tend to see more of a kind of, you know, 30s plus demographic. We don't tend to see too many younger clients, um, which is good. But, you know, if we do have young clients coming in and they are requesting things like anti-wrinkle injections and then in their early 20s, you know, at that point, it's about really sort of consulting with them working out, is that really the right thing for them or do they need to mm. sort of think about other skin treatments to, to help to achieve the results instead of diving straight into injectables at a young age?
0: I mean, I guess there are some nurses and doctors out there that actually encourage, you know, this is a, a controversial mm. um, topic in a way, encourage you to start with anti-wrinkle treatments at a young age of 18 or whatever it might be. I've, I've seen them do it as a preventative. So I guess even when it comes to the aesthetic medical industry, there can be different recommendations Mm -hmm. from from different practitioners. So, I mean, you're a very experienced cosmetic injector. If someone's looking to have filler or anti-wrinkle treatments, how does someone know who to go to? Because different people will say different things Mm -hmm. or recommend different things and also some of the injectors can look a little bit scary themselves i guess when you work in that environment Mm. i've seen injectors that you know they pride themselves on their big lips or you know the cheeks and for somebody that's not used to having injectables being greeted by somebody that looks Mm. like they like a lot of injectables can be quite confronting Mm. it's a whole different world so where do you start? You know, what what are the key things to look for?
1: Look, I guess the most important thing is um, is to ensure that you go to an experienced practitioner. Um, do your homework on who you're potentially going to have a consultation with or a treatment with. Uh, we're very lucky here in Australia that we do actually have a register of practitioners, so we do have a regulatory body that does oversee all medical practitioners, nurses here in Australia, so that can be a good starting point. Right, You can have a look at who the practitioner is, what is their qualifications. When and how you then, do you do that? You just basically go onto a website um, called AFRA, and then you just search a register of practitioners. You literally just type in the registered name and it comes up with the registered um, practitioner's qualification. Right. So that's an excellent starting point. Word of mouth can be really good. So has somebody gone to somebody experienced? Yes. Have they had, um, you know, positive treatment results? Did they have a thorough consultation, etc.? But I guess the first step is go into a practice and have a consultation. So have a chat about what your concerns are. Um, listen to what the practice may recommend um, you know ask them about their experience with treatments ask them to have a look at their before and after pictures um, ask them about the training that they do so we're very lucky here in Australia that we do have quite sophisticated training for practitioners now so you need to ensure that your practitioner is actually keeping up to date with those Mm. things to ensure that they're practicing safely um, and also that they've got a good aesthetic eye now yeah
0: how do you know that because it really is an art isn't it I guess anyone can inject but you've got to have the eye um, to be able to sculpt in a way
1: yeah so it's really understanding facial balance as Mm. well as actually having the skill to deliver the treatment so um, yeah I mean that's how you're going to find it is by going to that consult looking at their treatment results that they've done before and also you know chatting about their experience and qualifications
0: and also, I, I've i been in a situation before where I've been um, to a clinic and I felt that the person injecting me was on a commission <laughs> and they just wanted to get as much product into yeah. me as possible and I almost felt I was being, trying to be talked into having things that I just didn't want to have done. And before I know it, I'd sort of come out and felt a bit violated. <laughs> um, And I guess that can also be an issue as well, where you've got to be able to trust the person doing it, that they're doing it for your best interest. Because I guess this can happen where someone is just trying to push products or, or push sales.
1: Yeah, I think if you're in a situation where you feel uncomfortable and it feels like a sales type situation, then, you know, definitely don't proceed with it. I always at the practice try and encourage clients to come and have a consultation yep. and then to go away and think about treatments that they're considering. Um, is it the right thing for them? You know, Is it something that they really want to have? And then come back and have a treatment as opposed to being in a situation where people may feel a little bit pressured to, to go through with that impulse treatment or buy.
0: Yeah. Look, I mean something that I guess I want to talk about because it's something that's not really talked about mm. much, we all talk about the benefits. Mm. Of injectables, but what about you know? There's some information that's sort of floating around now online, mm-hmm. and sort of I guess the dangers of mm-hmm. inject injectables. What are some of the risks? Because mm-hmm. I guess even when it comes down to the product that mm-hmm. somebody is using, you've you've mm-hmm. got to know that they're using a, a good quality mm-hmm. product that um, you know is legal, even so what are some of the risks what can actually go wrong with let's start with say anti-wrinkle injections
1: yeah so what people seem to forget is that anti-wrinkle injections and dermal fillers they are also a prescriptive medication And with any medication, obviously, there's risks associated with the effect of it, but also as well with the delivery of it. So, you know, your most common things that you may hear of, for you know, things like your anti-wrinkle injections are related to the actual treatment. So that could be things like redness, swelling, bruising. Um, In terms of more serious risks or, you know, more cosmetically displeasing risks, you've got things such as brow dropping or lid dropping. So depending on the area where the practitioner is treating, it's a very specific treatment, and if it's not targeted or it doesn't specifically hit the muscle that we're intending to treat, there is the issue that it can affect other yeah. targets in that area and, and create those adverse problems. That's
0: just temporary, though, isn't it?
1: It is temporary. It is temporary. So it does self-resolve with wrinkle injections, but it certainly takes a period of time, and nobody wants to be walking around with a dropped brow or a dropped eyelid. Um, for about
0: um, three months?
1: Yeah. It, well, usually it wouldn't last as long <laughs> as that, typically. But, right, um, okay. Um,
0: only because, speaking yeah. from experience, I was a, a model once, and I've got... I've got what I call RBF, resting bitch face. Um, so my <laughs> mouth naturally turns down. Yeah. I've got strong depressors. You will be able to tell by looking at me, is that the right word? <laughs> and so they wanted to inject the depressors so um, my face didn't pull down, but I think they must have missed the muscle. And as a result, I literally almost looked like I'd had a stroke and oh, every my kind of face went down on, on one side. And every time I smiled, um, I look like a really wonky smile so I, I have had a few things um, I've been a, an experiment for a few people and um, a few things have gone wrong but Nothing I couldn't I couldn't live with, but I, I have experienced a But that was in the lower face, which there's more risk in the lower face. Is
1: that correct? There's risk anywhere, yeah. um, and you know, particularly with these treatments, if if somebody isn't adequately trained or they don't know their anatomy well enough, then you know complications yeah. can essentially yeah. happen no matter where you're treating yeah. on the face. And
0: just to say, these were actual mm. plastic surgeons that did that. So I guess you you know. Yes, um, go to someone that that does it all the all the all the time. Yeah. Um, but um, I think I, I did recover, which is is a good thing. What about um, the actual toxin? You know, I guess people that are very into health and wellness mm-hmm. can be worried about the actual safety mm-hmm. of what they're putting into their body. Mm-hmm. How? much research is there on the actual side effects, on on the actual toxins that are being injected?
1: What people don't realise is that um, it has been used in medicine for almost 60 years and there is a lot, a lot of research behind the safety of it. Um, and, you know, cosmetic um, anti-wrinkle injections are really, you know, over the last 15 years, but, you know, prior to that, it has been used in medicine for a long, long time for many indications. Um, so it is a, you know, a treatment that has been well-researched. Um, there's lots of studies behind it. Um, there's particular indications for the actual um, treatment. And so, you know, the safety profile of it is, is very high.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's good to know, because I know you know people obviously are, are concerned about that. And what about filler? What do we know then? We know that can help sort of sculpt mm-hmm. the face if you like and, yep. and plump out wrinkles and even cheeks and lips. But when it comes to, I guess, potential dangers of filler, would filler be potentially have more dangerous side effects? than anti-wrinkle injections? or
1: So so dermal fillers are, are act very differently to anti-wrinkle yep. injections in that they are injected into yep. different depths within the tissue to create different results. So it could be just purely hydrating the surface of the yep. skin, it could be injected deeper into the tissue to lift and contour. So they're the most things, the common treatment that you see to augment lips or cheeks or other areas of the face. Now, dermal fillers um, definitely do carry a lot more risks than anti-wrinkle injections, and so it's really important when people come along for a consultation for dermal fillers, first of all, they disclose their medical history. Um, it's really important we know what medical issues that you have, because there are certain things that can contraindicate you for having treatment. Um, but in terms of risks itself, so yes, it is an injection. So again, redness, swelling, bruising are the yep. most commonplace things that we do explained to clients. Now, the more serious risks associated with it are um, the fact that this gel-like substance has got the potential to potentially be injected into a blood vessel. And when it's injected into a blood vessel, um, a few things can happen. So A, it can either stop that flow of blood to the surface of the skin, and if left untreated, it can create something called necrosis. However, we're very fortunate that here in Australia, we do have an emergency drug that we can use to potentially disperse the filler and dissolve it. So another thing whilst you are considering having a consultation with a practitioner is asking do they have these emergency right. drugs in place and do they have procedures in place to help to manage any complications. So some may
0: not have those?
1: Some may not, no. So that's a really important thing to be aware of. Um, Now, in recent news, another risk, obviously, which is extremely scary is blindness. Yes, it
0: seems to be Um, the the big topic at the moment.
1: And certainly in some areas of the face, when we inject dermal fillers, there's a much more increased risk of getting blindness. And that, again, is related to if that gel-like substance is injected into a blood vessel, that connects to the blood vessels behind the eyes, um, and this is so it travels absolutely. Yeah. So the flow of the blood will will push it along. So by that point, um, you wouldn't
0: know till it's too late.
1: It can be a very quick, instant yeah, thing right. to lose the vision, um, but unfortunately, as of as today, there isn't. It's not reversible. So blindness is a non-reversible complication. Although very rare, very rare, it is something that can happen, so again, that's things that people need to consider. Also with fillers, people can have things such as hypersensitivity reactions, yes. um, so again, you know, being aware of particular medical history, um, ensuring no infections or anything leading up to a treatment, so no coughs, colds, infections in the area.
0: Um, so autoimmune conditions. Autoimmune yeah.
1: conditions. So some autoimmune conditions, we may rule them out for having treatments. But you know, and, there's and
0: that's a because they're more likely to react to the the filler. There's a potential yeah. for the yeah. immune system to yeah.
1: to not be happy with yeah. that filler in yeah, there. That so. Makes sense. Um, the most important thing is you know make sure that you're having this discussion with the practitioner Mm. is it the right thing for you is it a safe thing for you Um, is there anything that contraindicates you for having treatment and also you know the common things no you know you can't have treatments if you're pregnant breastfeeding Um, We also recommend, if you're trying for a baby as well, just to be precautious.
0: Mm. And that's with filler and anti-wrinkle? Yeah,
1: with both of them. Really? Yeah.
0: Um, I have to ask this now, you mentioned it and my paranoia um, sets in. (laughs) Um, When you were saying about the the blindness, just going back Mm. to that, just in case anyone is freaking out now, um, what would be the more risky areas? that.
1: Yeah, so the more more higher risk areas, things such as the nose. Right. Um so when clients are having um, non surgical augmentation yep. of the nose with dermal fillers and also dermal filler in between the eyebrow area. So and you know the sort of the, the forehead right. upper face area. So um yeah, they, they a very would. rare thing, but you know, yeah. it is something that definitely your practitioner will will make you aware yeah. of in a consultation um, that this is a potential risk that yeah. can happen.
0: And yeah. not everyone actually even injects around those areas, do they? Like, exactly. So
1: yeah, I mean, hopefully all practitioners um, act within their scope of yeah. practice, but there are certainly more high risk zones of the face. Um, for me, you know, as a, a, a registered nurse, I choose not to treat the noses um, and in between the, the the eyebrows with dermal filler. I typically send that down to our plastic surgeon mm. that's in in the same building as us.
0: Mm. It's good to know all of this, even though you said it's rare. It, it's good to know just so you go in eyes open, I think, and and knowing. That you're going to a practitioner that can actually talk to you about these things, rather than someone that's a bit gun ho and no, no, mm. no problems, and we'll do this and we'll do that. And again, I guess that's something that can come with inexperience, mm. but people can be overzealous or over enthusiastic. Mm. Um, I think can always be a little bit of a a challenge. So, I mean, something that you you mentioned about, you know, you can reshape the nose may be something that a lot of people Mm. don't know that you can Mm. do Um, what are some of the the areas that people can have treated that maybe they don't know about because I think you know even if someone had a flat nose Mm. it is possible to reshape that isn't it
1: yeah yeah. so I mean all over the face essentially you can can contour um, and reshape and Um, When I first started injecting, or after I moved from the plastics, I worked for a big clinic in the city and actually we had a very large um, Asian client base. And very popular treatments for the Asian client base were rounding of the forehead, so we Mm -hmm. could actually shape the forehead with dermal fillers, um, contouring and building up nose bridges, or making noses look a bit more refined. Um, chin shaping, jawline shaping. You can actually slim the face with anti wrinkle injections. So, I mean, these are the common things of the face. There are also things that you can do off of the face as well. Um, Probably one of the most unique things is things like earlobe rejuvenation. So you can actually pop dermal fillers into earlobe to make them more plump for your earrings. Um, Or it could be, you know, for sweating. You can use the same um, prescriptive medication, that we use for anti-wrinkle injections, for sweating um, to the armpits, um, for the palms of the hands. Mm. But again, you know, with any of these treatments, I guess it's in making sure that you're seeing the appropriate practitioners. So there are particular specialists for certain indications.
0: Well, Prince Andrew won't need that, will he? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know if you saw that interview, but apparently, um, yeah, he doesn't sweat. It's <laughs> just my sense of humour there it was a highly entertaining interview. Um, so sweating, people can have, um, you know, cheeks done, rounding of the forehead, why would you have that done?
1: Um, look, I guess for the Asian population, they, they just love the aesthetics of it. So just having that round, beautiful shape. Um, and also, as well, you know, when we age, some people do get a little bit of volume loss into certainly the side areas yeah. of the forehead, and so um, popping a bit of filler around it up a little bit right. can be a popular thing.
0: As you've told me, peanut head, that's is, <laughs> is, commonly called. And which, again, I, I mean, sometimes we don't realise where we, you know, need extra extra filler, um, and where people actually have yeah. it. Sometimes I'm like, wow, do people really? you know, have it in these these areas. Now, I also once knew a guy that um, had filler in his nipples, which I didn't know was a thing. I don't know if that is a thing. Um, but do you ever get asked for some strange areas?
1: Um, I've actually been really fortunate. I haven't had any random requests up until this point, but certainly people do. Um,
0: and you can do that? It wouldn't block the...
1: I've not heard yeah. of nipple rejuvenation with dermal fillers, and that's something you would definitely hand over to a breast specialist to see yeah. if that's something that he would do. I mean, probably the most bizarre area I've heard of is the party feet, so dermal fillers into yeah. the the padding of the feet or around to lubricate the toe joints to make it more comfortable. but. Um, I guess the most important thing is, is, you know, going along, respecting your anatomy and going along to a specialist that's responsible for that. So if anyone has got an issue with a nipple and they are looking into some crazy Mm. treatments for it, go along to a breast specialist and have a chat with them as opposed to walking into a random, you know, clinic and And getting dermal filler into your nipples. Because,
0: because, yeah, people do. And um, the other one I've heard about is, in the genital area,
1: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> as you take a glass of water, <laughs> uh, a sip of water, to, um, don't don't choke on your yeah. drink. But yeah. um, people actually, you know, I don't know how true this is, but people apparently have filler in their genital area mm. for a number of different reasons. Mm. One sort of to enhance
1: mm-hmm. pleasure. I've heard of their O shot enhancement. Yeah. 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 Um, whether that's with dermal or um, another treatment called platelet-rich plasma so right. there are these treatments happening um, I don't know personally if there's a huge amount of research behind them but again it's one of those things if you're thinking about it going along to particular specialists and, and getting their opinion on it
0: and whether it's a Hollywood trend or a fad I don't know um, and yeah but even um, somebody told me about penis enlargement and you can have filler there it's just incredible to me that people spend the money on these areas I guess um, or or do this stuff but I guess there are people out there that do Mm. Um, so it it does amaze me on on where you can actually have filler and and it just blows my mind um, and that people do do that and have even got the money to put it in all these random places but um, as you said, go to someone that specialises in that area and and knows what what they're doing. What would you say are some of the common mistakes or mishaps that you've encountered in the industry that maybe you've seen go wrong or clients have had something happen and then you've they've come to you to, to fix up. are there any common mistakes you know rookie errors
1: um, look the most common things we see are you know clients that have been either over volumized um, and would that be in the cheeks or over projected so cheeks or lips are the most common yeah, areas like the duck so, lips yeah so um,
0: why do the lips go like duck lips
1: well it's really about how the practitioners place the product and how much of it that they've placed so they obviously haven't taken total respect of the client's anatomy and what actually suits their best facial aesthetics and balance and yeah, have just obviously over-volumized an area which creates a projection. So some Um, people would
0: get dark lips and some wouldn't? Yeah, so
1: everybody's got a different shaped um, mouth to start with, everybody's got different faces and so I always kind of say to my clients, look, you know, when you come in to have a treatment, it's about working with your facial anatomy. You know, it's it's working within what's right for your face shapes, not trying to create something that you're never going to have. And so, yeah, as a practitioner, it's appropriate for us to, you know, be doing the full assessment on clients and, and saying, is this the right thing for them? Um, and guiding them away if it isn't necessarily the right thing.
0: But so you can tell by looking at someone's lips whether they'll go
1: duck lips or not? Look, duck lip projection, some people do have a very elongated upper lip and so yes, we do have to be much more cautious with particular shapes of lips, of how we inject it and where we inject it, or if it's suitable for them at all.
0: Right, so you can tell by looking at some people that's just not going to work for you. And I guess if somebody doesn't have that experience they could get into a habit I guess of using the same technique on everyone that may not work for everyone yeah which, which could also be an issue I guess
1: completely agree you can teach anyone to do a technique or to inject a particular way but um, it's really down to experience of learning the facial aesthetics um, and really understanding what what balance is is going to suit the face yeah
0: and what about lumpy lips? Because you hear about people that yeah. have lip injections and then they yeah. have the lumps. And I've seen it on people when yeah. they're talking to me and, and they've got like these lumpy lips. Yeah. So to me, it's really obvious that they've had their, their lips done. Yeah. Why does it go lumpy like that? Again, is that just the
1: placement? Poor the placement product? and technique. So with any treatments in the face and depending on what product we select to treat a client with, we have to be particularly careful that we're injecting it into the correct depth Within right. the tissues. Um, you know, if it's a little bit too superficial, then that's when you can start to see visual lumpiness. Um, under the eyes, you can get something called Tyndall effect, where you can actually see a kind of a bluey um, discoloration. So, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's really important that, you know, it's appropriately injected in the right places to achieve the, the desired results.
0: And so somebody had lump, lumpy lips, because I've seen this on Instagram, where some practitioners can actually, you can actually get that they you can palpable, actually get the yeah product that you can get the filler removed.
1: I wouldn't advise anyone to do that. Yeah. Um, I would advise if they did have any palpable products to go into the practitioner um, and to obviously potentially have a look at it being um, dissolved.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Because I've seen some people yeah. sort of like yeah. squeezing it out or something yeah.
1: like
0: oh I didn't even know you could do that that either. It's like so much that that can happen. And I guess people do have, have different techniques mm. as well. So
1: very, very interesting.
0: Um, have you had many people come to you to be fixed up?
1: Um, I have had a few people come to me. And for me as a practitioner, it's always a hard situation yes. because, um, you know, it's about taking on a problem and trying to make it better. And so I think
0: I was one of them, actually. <laughs> That's <laughs> how I found you.
1: <laughs> Often, uh, you know, I would encourage a patient to actually go back to their original injector, yeah. and you know, obviously, have a chat that they're unhappy with the result, and and see what options to resolve it that there are. But obviously, if you know that they're, they're not getting anywhere with that, then there are things that we can do mm-hmm. to help. To and of course, I um, guess they've
0: lost a little bit of trust as well.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I guess right.
0: if something does go wrong um, yeah. by that point the client um, obviously go back but then the client is going to be not trusting mm. that, that they're in safe hands yeah. and I guess things can happen to anyone um, but it's it's knowing that you are in, in safe hands and that person is, is confident to, to take care of it is, is such an important thing for the for the client. I know we mentioned earlier about contraindications Um. So I think we've really covered those, haven't we, autoimmune and if yeah, someone's got look, a cold or a flu? Or... Most
1: common things obviously pregnant, breastfeeding, trying for a baby, obviously no treatments, um, any existing medical conditions and they need to discuss that with their practitioner. Um, if they have been unwell, yes, yeah, so a coughs, cold, flu, any infection leading up to a treatment, we usually have a window frame of about four weeks. Um, but yeah, look, if anyone's unsure, the most important thing is ring up the practitioner, have a chat with them, and, and they will be able to give them individualised advice as to whether um, they can or cannot of safe to have a treatment.
0: Something that gets asked sometimes is, are you flying or yep. going away? And what, why does that get asked?
1: Look, the most important thing, I guess, we always have a protocol of no international flying after treatment. And, you know, number one, because if somebody comes in and has a treatment and then they fly off the next day overseas, who's going to deal with any problems yeah. if anything happens? So that's the main thing. Yeah. And, it's, and it's nothing it's, to do with
0: the actual flying. Not really.
1: It's mainly that, you know, they need to be here so we can ensure that they recover appropriately. Yes, when you do fly, obviously you swell. And initially when, you know, you have dermal fillers, you've got swelling to the tissue. So um, the main thing is just that, you know, we can ensure there's no adverse problems. And something to
0: to talk about, you mentioned, you know, worst case scenario, something could go wrong. Mm -hmm. Um, Necrotic tissue, where the tissue starts to die off. um, How would someone know if something was going wrong or had gone wrong so after say filler for instance Mm -hmm. um, or even anti-wrinkle there may be some redness there may be bruising that could occur and different people bruise more easily so that would be quite a normal response in a way when does somebody know okay something's not right here
1: Yep. So in, in the practice, I mean, obviously, we always advise our clients of basic aftercare instructions, you know, to expect a little bit of redness, swelling, yep. um, bruising may occur. Yep. Now, that's a great question because how is somebody going to know, you know, that's yep. not trained in the medical field, is that a normal bruise or yep. have I got tissue that's actually compromise so we have a um, protocol in our practice that if a client develops a bruise and they send us a photo through um, straight away and that we also have a protocol that we actually follow up with clients particularly if they've had things like the dermal fillers but you know in practice we do obviously advise clients after a treatment any abnormality in skin color change in and around the treatment area that they're unsure of get in touch So
0: that could any be increasing
1: pain lighter
0: or darker yeah
1: yeah any typically it will be darker right. Um any increasing pain um, to the treatment areas um, any pustule formation so any little white spots that are forming on the tissue anything that's just out of the ordinary just to get in touch with the practitioner straight away
0: and yep. that could be a sign so really it's, it's definitely advisable just to be on the safe side not to have injectables Prior to a holiday or going overseas you want to be able to to get in touch with someone if you can and know what to look for if something is going wrong because then I guess then they can come back and get it fixed before something happens Um, so when we're talking about necrotic tissue what does that actually mean that's when the circulation's
1: basically yeah so that tissue is not getting enough oxygen so the circulation is cut off to the very superficial tissue Um, so you know we do have to initiate emergency protocols obviously if a client is in that situation Um, and you know depending on how early it's caught it is potentially reversible but obviously if it's caught at a later stage and there is that damage to the tissue then obviously there's things like scarring to consider in the future as well Um, yeah um, and
0: I think being able to contact the practitioner and, and knowing that you're seeing someone that's that's telling you about these things mm. is, is really um, quite refreshing. <laughs> yeah. But also reassuring for yeah. the client as well because then, then you know that you're in, in safe hands. Yeah. Um, and with aftercare, for instance, after anti-wrinkle injections, are you meant to move your face more or not? Is that something that makes a difference? It's
1: very anecdotal. There's a huge amount of evidence. So just carry on as normal. What we do advise those clients afterwards, though, is not to apply any pressure to the areas or to lie down and um, press the areas for four hours after treatment. Um, And that's for anti-wrinkle injections.
0: And what would happen if they did?
1: Well, we don't want to risk... um, that specific anti-wrinkle injection moving into the surrounding muscles that have right. been treated, because you know we've specifically injected it into the muscle that we want targeted, and so you know if a pressure is applied, it could disperse into the area. So and you don't want to be
0: going having a massage or lying down having a no, massage.
1: That's correct.
0: Which is good to know because it's easy to forget these things and then wonder why things didn't work out quite as quite as well. And. Um, Clients may not know this either So it's things that are are good to know And what about filler? Is there any particular aftercare with that? So
1: typically with filler It's taking it easy for 24, 48 hours So usually we advise no alcohol before treatment And obviously for 48 hours afterwards um, No big workouts um, Just really taking it easy And if they had
0: alcohol What would be the um, Well
1: there's slightly higher increased risk of bruising so yeah. So usually we just say avoid that if possible
0: Mm. Well, any skin therapists listening, they will definitely know the no alcohol after things like chemical peels mm-hmm. or um, yeah. skin needling, collagen induction therapy because the face goes bright red. So um, <laughs> um, I'm sure there's a few people out there that have done it and, and realised it wasn't such a, a great thing to do. But again, people may forget if they, they don't know. So um, good thing to remind her. What about other anti-ageing treatments? If somebody, you know, I get asked this question a lot, I particularly when people hit 40, or when they're approaching 50, people seem to go on a bit of a, right, that's it, I've got to do something. Hmm. I don't know if you call it a midlife crisis, but it's like we suddenly start yeah. getting worried about aging and, and start to think about more treatments available yeah. that can help to delay Signs of aging I know myself I'm looking in the mirror going oh I wonder what I can do you know just a little bit more and I've had the the skin tightening with you which is amazing might need another one soon (laughs) (laughs) um what can people do for you know aging concerns what other treatments do you offer in clinic for that apart from injectables if somebody doesn't want to go down the injectable route or maybe they want to combine the two
1: Yeah, well, I always, you know, when I consult with clients, I always try and educate them to think of, you know, ageing happening on it, happening in different levels Mm. within the face. It's not just the surface. It's not just the deeper tissues. And there are different treatments to address um, these different areas. And depending on our age, um, we see changes at different levels. So, you know, our first step of ageing, we might start to see some really superficial skin changes. So obviously skin treatments... Home care skin products, you know, things like collagen induction therapy are a great place to start to boost the health of the skin. As we start to then hit our 40s plus, um, sometimes mid 30s plus, we start to see that the support in our face is not as good as what it used to be, or we may have not had the support there to start with, depending on our face shape, so that's when we may think about, okay, well, yes, you've got things like your dermal fillers to add the support, but if our skin is getting a little bit looser and we're starting to see mild jowling, um, then we do have things like skin tightening treatments, mm. um, which focus on slightly deeper levels, and those skin tightening te- treatments work by um heating that deeper collagen to create a collagen remodeling response so that potentially patients get a bit more lifting and firming to the tissue. Yeah.
0: And does that affect the fat in the the tissue? skin as well. I've heard some people say it can help with um, you know,
1: double chins. And yep, so like. there's definitely different levels and in different intensities where we can target that subcutaneous tissue a little bit more. So certainly for people, if they do have a little bit of a pocket underneath that chin, then we can reduce the fat a little bit more with that. Yeah. So you, you, but you there adjust are, it accordingly. But there are more specific treatments that right, can target yep. fat under the chin more effectively. So um, often you know, we recommend those as opposed yeah. to going straight with the, the skin tightening ultraforma.
0: Amazing what what can be done. Mm. And what about PRP? Because I hear a lot of, you know, some people love it, some people don't like it, don't think much of it. Where do you stand with that?
1: Yeah, so platelet-rich plasma can have a really great place, but I think, you know, whether do people love it or not, A, it's not got a huge amount of clinical research behind it, but it is gaining a lot more, um, certainly in the recent years. But platelet or PRP or platelet-rich plasma, um, another common name that people may have heard is the vampire facial. Um, It basically utilizes your platelets. um, So basically a sample of blood is taken, a special centrifuge will separate the plasma Mm. from the red blood cells. And that plasma has got lots of... Um, plate that's suspended within it, we then re inject that into the tissues and it can stimulate a rejuvenation response. So it can be really great for, you know, f- improving the quality of the skin. So, and I guess my thing that I love about it the most is it can really be used for hard to reach areas, so to speak. So, you know, such as underneath the eye area, yeah. which is really can be quite difficult to treat with other modalities sometimes. Can be a good option, and also as well, you do have the clients that yeah, they don't want to do you know dermal fillers, or they don't want to have anti-wrinkle injections, and they do perceive the PRP as a much more natural response. Yeah, it's Um, their own. Yeah, yeah. your own. um, It's not
0: a foreign body, so it
1: can be a, a great treatment. But I always you know say to the clients that you know a combination of treatments is your best approach. There's not one treatment unfortunately that will fix everything. So. By having a strategy of, okay, thinking, okay, well, my tissue's ageing, I'm losing support, my skin's changing, I can do X, Y, and Z, you know, this many times a year um, to help to prevent or to help to minimise the signs of ageing is is usually the best response.
0: And when it comes down to cost, because I guess cost is an issue for many, many people, what would somebody be looking at if they're like, right, New Year, I want to really rejuvenate myself and I'm going to go... I'm gonna go for it, and I want, I want something that's going to help um, make me look younger. Where, What sort of price range are we looking at if somebody wanted, say, filler, or they wanted skin tightening? What would be the minimum that you probably could get a result with?
1: Well, that's very age-specific. Yeah. You know, your younger clients might not need, need to so have much. a lot <laughs> and might need to only pay a couple of hundred dollars yeah. for an intense facial skin treatment. Whereas your more mature clients that you know that have lost a lot of volume, their skin's sagging, you know, their skin's a bit lacklustre, you know, they could be requiring to spend, you know, up to a couple of thousand, yeah. up to five thousand dollars depending on what they're having done. So pricing's really variable mm-hmm. and you know, when you come in for a consultation, we do a thorough assessment of you know what a client's goals are, what they're hoping to achieve, and then also trying to align that with what they actually need and then working out a specific um, budget for them so and what they can afford yeah, as exactly so, work so working within. within budget so you know where if it's not affordable you know can they plan to do xyz over you know a three to six month period or um, so you know it can be a gradual thing that they can continually um, improve and help to um, deliver the Great. results yeah so
0: they don't have to have it all done there and then no. you can just yeah work towards it and yeah. look. Younger by the end of the year. Yeah. Which is amazing because <laughs> I've seen amazing results on people where they literally, yeah. the, you know, it, it's unbelievable the results that you can get now yeah. without having to go under the knife. And yeah. I, I find that so exciting because um, surgery is not the option for everyone. No. everybody wants to, to yeah. take that extreme route. Yeah. Um, and again, it's, that itself comes with a lot yeah. of, of high risks mm. as well. So, Anything else that you want to um, tell anybody about injectables? I think we've covered it all really. I
1: think that's, we've pretty much talked about most of it, but I guess the most important points just to go over is, you know, if somebody is thinking about, you know, going and having a treatment is obviously doing a little bit of research on that practitioner. They've got the AFRA website that we've mentioned, um, ensuring that they have a thorough consultation. So talk about their concerns, talk about their medical history risks and complications for treatment, costing, is it something that's going to be right for them? And then also as well, if you do decide to go ahead with the treatment, then ensuring that you are following the appropriate um, aftercare instructions and and really sort of helping, you know, supporting your recovery.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And aftercare is so important. And um, that's where the client has to take responsibility Mm. with that because... um, we don't go home with the clients, so we don't know what they're doing. So it's important to always listen to the practitioner. Lisa, um, wealth of information, and somebody that I highly recommend, and I, I do recommend
1: you. Thank How you. can
0: people find out more about you and, and the services that you offer?
1: Yeah, so I'm based in Wallara, and my website is uh, Lisa Rush com.au so um, we've got a contact um, section in my website if anyone wants to get in touch.
0: Fantastic.
1: Thanks for having me Fiona. Thank you
0: so much.